Welcome to Talking Jazz. My guest today is pianist, composer, arranger, John Kolaleski. And we're talking about a very special project that he's leading. It's called the Makanda Project. The group is coming to South Bend to Merriman's Playhouse on April 20th. It'll be a very, very special treat. So we'll share a little bit about the music and about this project. And of course, about John yourself too. Since we're talking about the Makanda Project, we should probably start talking about who is this person you're paying tribute to just give us a quick synopsis before we listen to this first tune i mean we'll get some more details later okay well makanda ken mcintyre was a under recognized great musician there are many such people in the jazz world he, his career began in the late 50s early 60s and he was part of a wave of musicians at that time who were looking to take the music someplace beyond sort of what's next after bebop charlie parker was his idol he always said you should think in terms of both and and not either or and this is an example of that you know he came up around the same time as eric dolphy and ornette coleman of alto saxophone players and there's one beautiful recording he made with Eric Dolphy where the two of them share a front line. It's called Looking Ahead. He's also on Cecil Taylor's Unit Structures album. And other than Jimmy Lyons, he was the saxophonist who really grasped Cecil's music at that time. But he's the whole economic situation of being a jazz musician and starting a family, he he went into teaching. He really made a mark as an educator. He was one of the first wave of jazz musicians to sort of fight for a place for jazz in colleges and universities. And he ended up starting his own department at the State University of New York at Old Westbury. And the whole program was focused on the arts and the African-American tradition. You know, throughout his career, he continued to perform and record, not as the educator thing was a, was a big part of his work also. He performed on alto saxophone, flute, oboe, bassoon, and bass clarinet. And he would, he would play each of those instruments for the course of a set in his concerts. He was skilled at everything else too. He was just an amazing, he was the sort of person that you met him once and you never forgot him and made a tremendous mark on his students. In 2001, he passed away unexpectedly. He took care of himself well. He was a few months shy of his 70th birthday and he had a heart attack when he was on his treadmill and he was gone. Then his wife was going through all the stuff and found about 350 compositions that had not been heard. And that's how the Makanda project started. But I guess that's for your next segment. That's fascinating because, you know, I, I wrote a book on David Baker and this story is very parallel of coming about the same time then starting jazz departments, this dedication to teaching and this dedication to the students and to the music and prolific writing. So I'm I'm very intrigued here by this story and, and we'll definitely explore some more details. Let's listen to this first one. This is a live recording from a, a festival that you got to do last summer. So tell us a little bit about It Takes a While and what to focus on. on this oh, it Takes a While has become sort of our um, theme song. We usually open our concerts with it. I don't know quite. It just sort of happened. It wasn't like we look through all the music and decide this one is our theme song. But it's kind of, he's very intriguing to us as a composer. I mean, we, we've, we've had the group since 2005. I don't think we ever thought we'd be doing it for 
18 years and still going when we started it, but we wanted it to be more than a one and done thing. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons why we've been able to keep it going, but one is just that the music has kept us drawn in. And he, he has a way of, as one person put it, it sounds normal, but it's not. You know, there's, there's a, there'll be a very lyrical aspect to it, but there'll be something going on in it structurally that makes it and if you listen, there's something different about that. Maybe you not, don't quite know what it is. In this one, you know, most of the time the music is broken up into four bar units. There's a certain symmetry to that. So this piece has five bar units. It'll have two five bar units phrases and then two four bar phrases and two five bar phrases and two four bar phrases. And that, that's one thing that just sort of gives it, that's like a little, what we would call a Macondaism. And maybe that doesn't mean anything to the person listening to it and it, it doesn't have to. It's a simple melody, but it's got a little different thing to it. So we, I don't know, we've just gotten to like the piece a lot. And we, we started with our lead alto saxophonist, Curtis Rivers, is one of the co-founders of the band. And we started with a rubato introduction of him playing over some of the chords before we come in to the melody. In a way, that's sort of like the if you're going to start a concert with a prayer or an invocation or something like that, Curtis's intro works like that. And sometimes if we don't play it at the beginning of the concert, some of the people who come regularly say, hey, I miss Curtis's intro. That's really cool. And I love, you know, that you're saying like starting the concert with a prayer or, or this focus. We can go and pretend now we're going to the Outreach Music Festival in Schwarz and we're just sitting down here comes Curtis with the alto saxophone and here's it, it takes a while recorded last summer August 2021 at the Outreach Music Festival
a live recording from August 2021 at the Outreach Music Festival in Schwarz, Austria. And it features the Makanda Project, which is under the direction or co-direction of my guest today, John Kordoleski. And the group will be appearing on April 20th at Merriman's Playhouse in South Bend. 
as part of a trip supported by the jazz touring grant from South Arts, as far as I understand. Could I say one more thing about It Takes a While? I should have mentioned. You can add to It Takes a While and then lead oh, us on yeah, yeah. to no, the involvement. No, let's, let's get all the info together, of course. I just wanted to acknowledge the trumpet soloists also. Jerry Sabatini took the first solo and Hanif Nelson took the second solo and then they did exchanges. I also want to say just the title, It Takes a While. There's so many things now when that happen, you know, particularly in the jazz musician, you know, you have to work hard at things for a long time sometimes before things happen and we'll, we'll look at each other and say, yeah, it takes a while. I totally agree. It's a tough economic bubble that jazz exists in and and these stories of being early on of, of being educators and then also creating your music you know academia kind of has become the haven of still supporting creation in in some way we're going to actually listen to a recording of makanda himself that he released in 2000 just before he passed away this is a beautiful ballad so tell us a little bit about what this group that he had, and I don't know if you got to see them when you were there. Um, no, this, I don't think he ever performed live. Even when he did the CD release party, the piano player and bass player weren't available, But so he assembled the group for this recording. But this was just, you know, he had a whole bunch of more of his tunes that he'd written that hadn't been recorded, and he picked 10 of them, I think. You know, to pick one of his pieces to play on the radio to represent him was just really an impossible task. One, because he played all the different instruments, and two, because he had so much breadth as a composer. There's all different kinds of pieces, and so playing a ballad is just, okay, that's one thing and he wrote his his ballads were just really rich and beautiful but i i guess i picked this because brent benoulis said that he played it on his program so i thought maybe if the same piece got played multiple times it might stick in somebody's head and that's it's it's just a really really beautiful piece he was a multifaceted personality as a teacher he could be extremely harsh i have been on the receiving end of his scathing criticism on many occasions i, I guess students either ran away from that or, or realized that he really knew what he was talking about and it would be good to listen to him. But there was also a tender side, a very, very, very tender side to him that helped you understand where the harshness was coming from. This is shown in Evolvement. Well, it's just, you know, and, asking for the best out of everybody. That's that's actually a great treat, uh, yeah. treat of a teacher, yeah. This was on, this album was when he, he produced himself. He recorded about a year before he passed away. What a great way to leave a memory. Of course, not knowing that it was going to be a memory. Well, let's have a listen. So this is a gorgeous ballad, and it features Makanda and McIntyre on the alto sax in a very high range. You know, my first inclination was actually to say it's a soprano, and, and it's a very gorgeous tone that he gets out of that alto. And one of my favorite pianists in the world, Joanne Burkeen, also Wilbur Morris on bass, Charlie Persip on drums. This is from the release A New Beginning 2000 Evolvement. <laughs>
This was Evolvement, a piece from a 2000 release, A New Beginning, Makanda Ken McIntyre. And we're talking about the Makanda Project, which is dedicated to his music and recreating, performing, or even introducing a lot of his music that was not known before to the public. This next piece, we're going, going to go back and hear a little more from the Outreach Festival in Austria. This drew me in. It has a very monkish melody. Exactly what I thought when I first heard it. Tell me a little bit about your process of taking this music. So was this a piece that did you make the arrangement then for, for the orchestra? What did you have to start with? Yeah, well, that's all of the pieces I've arranged them for the orchestra what, what i all the pieces we play are pieces that he never recorded he recorded about 75 of his compositions and there were about 350 that he didn't and he may have played a couple of them in public sometimes but mostly not i think what i had was you know what we know in as musicians as lead sheets this means and they were they were some of them were things that he'd written out on separate sheets and some of them were in a notebook it was just the melody and the form and the the chord changes and i had a big pile of like hundreds of these and and i would just sit at the piano sometimes and i'd start trying to play one and try to play another and and some would just grab me right away as soon as i played them and others i wouldn't get it really and and i'd move on to another and then some of the ones that i didn't get like the first 25 times i tried to play it maybe the 26th time i tried and i said oh that's what that is you know so that's why it's it's i'm still doing it. i mean we started it in 2000 five and I've, I've arranged uh, 60 of the pieces by now i'm not going for all 350. there's still more where that came from so why not it's exactly the same thing when, when, when i when i played it right the first time i played it that one i said oh we got to do this one and it, 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 it has that monkish kind of angularity to the melody and it has some large intervals in the melody too which is also kind of eric dolphius there's a thing on the bridge where if a bridge is eight bars usually it's written up and divided into like a four bar phrase and a, another four bar phrase but this one is like two three and three so there's something so there's just sort of like the way that this what he, he talked about shapes when he would Mm -hmm. talk about playing and there's so there's there's this thing about his music where there's he's largely operating within recognizable structures you know forms and stuff i mean it's like it's, it's a lot of the so-called avant-garde he hated being called avant-garde one of one of his albums the the record company people decided to call it way way out and he hated that but some of the so-called avant-garde people in the don't play tunes as we know you know like a piece that has a form for the melody and then you solo over that form and for the most part, he did. Within that, there was a certain openness and flexibility. You know, he would do things with tone rows and all kinds. You know, he studied contemporary classical music and applied things like that to it. And But just within the shapes, like to if you speak or if you breathe or something, if the phrase will come out however it comes out. It's not necessarily going to be two bars or four bars or something. And he it does that. It stretches around and plays around the thing, but still fitting within the overall form. You know, it's not like he's the only person who did that but or even or thought of that. But there is somehow I think he was especially good at that. You know, there was a way he did it that, that just came out very musical because why not right putting it together so that that's a great way to to listen to this one and and we're gonna get taken back to austria to the outreach festival you want to add one i more? just want i just want to acknowledge the soloists again it's, uh, yes no. please do so who, who are we going to hear on solos 
Charlie Colhase, uh, our baritone saxophonist, who is another charter member of the group. Then Curtis Rivers again on alto. Avery Sharp is um, playing bass on this. Uh, the wonderful bass player who played with McCoy Tyner for 20-something years and has been a, a recent um, member of the band. So let's have a listen. This is Why Not, live from the Outreach Music Festival in Schwarz, Austria, as recorded in August 2021 by the Makanda Project.
That was Why Not, a live recording from the Outreach Festival in Schwarz, Austria in August 2021 by the Makanda Project. And the group is coming to South Bend to Merriman's Playhouse on April 20th. And I have one of the leader, John Kordoleski, here to give me some insights on this very, very special group that in some ways different than other groups. Usually a group will be there to share their own music or be a repertory orchestra. But in this case, it's dedicated to a very special person and bringing it together. One of the things we, we differ from the tribute bands because there's no record of Makanda having performed these pieces. So it's not like we get compared to the original. In a sense, we are the original. His music was always open to interpretation, reinterpretation, even by himself. And I've talked to people, I knew him pretty well, but not as well as some people. People who worked with him really closely would, if he had a tune he wrote that said it was a ballad and, and, and you decide to do it as medium tempo or something, that's fine with him because he would, he probably would have done that at some point himself. And I think we, it's like his, his music has been a vehicle for us to develop a sound and identity as a group. It's not like we're trying to recreate him. And then the other thing is that as years have gone on, we don't only play his music. We will on this tour because we think that's probably the what we should do because we've never been to these places before. Speaking of it takes a while, this is our first trip west of New York after 18 years. The one we're going to listen to, the gorgeous ones, so this is actually a studio recording. Are there plans to release these eventually? I might get in trouble if I claim it too uh, definitively. It's a long story. I think it should be released eventually. And if I have anything to say about it, it will. I think it it should be and, and should be released. I mean, this is another way of, of keeping the legacy going, yes. too, yeah. of having new music out there. This is another tune like Why Not that has a, it, it swings in 4-4, four, four, but it has different shapes within the sections. This was actually the first when i started going through the music this was the first one that i fell in love with who are we going to hear soloing on this one uh, sean barry on tenor who is also one of the charter members curtis rivers again you know if you pay the the music of an alto saxophone player there'll be a lot of sax when if you come to our concerts everybody will solo that's different from a lot of big bands i think we don't really think of ourselves we're a big band but we're not in some ways i think we, we, we try to have it be the looseness and the energy of a smaller group at the same time that it has the sound and the tightness when it needs to of a big band. We don't have four trumpets, we have two trumpets, so it, that changes the sound. Someone was saying this to me, like the Ellington band was noted for the distinct personalities and sound of individuals within the band. All big bands are not like that. Curtis has a personal sound. We call him Johnny Hodges sometimes because of because of that, you know, and, and Charlie has a personal sound and, and there are other people in the band. Very cool. Well, let's have a listen. So. This is the gorgeous ones from unreleased studio session of the Makanda project. The group will be at Merriman's Playhouse on April 12th.
that was the gorgeous ones a studio session not yet released by the Macanda project and the group will be appearing at Merriman's Playhouse on April 20th as part of a tour supported by Jazz Rhodes touring grant from South Arts my guest today is John Kordaleski who you hear on piano in this group and is also arranging and restructuring or structuring the music for this specific group we hinted a little bit to economic structures you know 13 piece group or 11 however many is on the road and providing these community concerts takes resources and takes money this is not out of the goodness of our hearts because we need to eat and drink and live the tour you put together is one actually supported by a jazz roads touring grant by south arts which I also was able to take advantage of in the first round that they put out that was for our CD release party, which we got through half of it. And then it was March 2020. We're going back on the road and I know how important it is to have that support and how much more you can do. So for you, meaning that you can actually get west of Boston and we can enjoy the music which normally wouldn't happen if there wouldn't be a resource like the jazz roads touring grant that helps bring some of the music to the midwest share a little bit more how how you interface with this world of grants and and what possibilities there are and how it helps to get that music to people that would not otherwise be able to hear it and enjoy it we do most of our local stuff is done through grants and i mentioned in the last segment like i'm not interested in whether the people who come have to pay money to hear us but that doesn't mean that we're not getting paid as you said we have to so caliber musicians that are in the group busy professional professional people. Most of the grants that I get, I mean, there are certain grants that are about funding you to do your music. And there's just a few of them. So it's like all the jazz musicians descend on this one opportunity because there's like, that's the only one there is. And the ones, what we've done in Boston is it's the grants are not just to support us to play Maconda's music. The the grants are about more like about community development. It's more about cultural access to culture in in a low-income community. That's the funded for mainly. But, you know, fortunately we were able to get the jazz road tour that's awesome and we also the, the austria trip was supported by a grant from a thing called u.s artists international which is operated by mid-atlantic arts foundation and that supports groups traveling to overseas festivals i mean it's just the, the economics of traveling with uh, with 13 musicians is pretty daunting but i want to do it more because i think at this point we've been at it so long and we've developed a certain closeness and and identity and i don't think there are that many large groups that have that kind of longevity as actively working and have a distinct body of music and that do travel so after we do this one i hope there's a way to figure out how to do it again but and you know also to clarify i mean it's not like this might be free money here but actually if you know jazz or these type of art forms in europe there's a lot of government support of it there's there's a lot of structure where governments realize that it needs to be supported to be able to reach the population and to be able to universally be available and that it's a benefit to the population. So sometimes, you know, in the US we think, oh, you know, everything should be able to be sustainable by itself. And if you need to pour money into it, maybe it's not worth it. But Mm -hmm. that's not the case. 
that's not how the arts work and that's not how access works. So we have one more sphere. Is this Thelonious sphere monk or is there another relationship? I don't know. Unfortunately, I cannot ask Makanda. I hope this isn't too technical for people. Maybe there's somebody listening who, who can figure it out. The tune is it's it's written in 4-4 four, four time and the sections are 5-5 five, five bars of 4. On the lead sheet, all he said, he just wrote drums in 5. Richard Harper, who playing trombone with us, but also played piano with Makanda, he recorded an album with Makanda called uh, Introducing the Vibrations on Steeplechase. And he told me that on that album, everybody in the group was playing in a different time signature on each piece. So we didn't go that far. If you have the drums play one, two, three, four, five, four times, and you have the bass play one, two, three, four, five times, and the one and two are going at the same speed, it'll come out even at the end of the of that. So the drums set it up, they're playing in five, and then when the band comes in, the, the, the melody and the bass line, the harmony are going in four. What I did was I wrote horn background parts that could fit in either. They really follow the pulse of the five, but if but if the five weren't there, they would make sense in the four also. It's very challenging, I mean, because you can, you can write that and then people can read it. It takes a while for us all to really understand what's happening and make, make the different things happen. I think, I feel like we're just starting to get it. I think we're gonna play this on the tour. That's very cool. Well, that's the best way to, to get music going. You know, you have to realize that music is organic and and it develops the more you play it the more natural it gets and and you can listen to each other so yeah absolutely well it was an absolute pleasure to learn about the music and the project and kanda's life and all the background and i hope this is going to be a really really fantastic tour i think you'll also be at the bop stop in cleveland yeah. Where else are you going to be? Then we're going to the Auburn Public Theater in Auburn, New York, which is in central okay. New York. And then we're ending up at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. We're going to have a concert at the Roxbury branch of the Boston Public Library before we leave. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing and good luck. And April 20th, South Bend, Indiana at Merriman's Playhouse will hear the whole project. And the last piece we're going to listen to is called Sphere. This is a live recording from Boston. From the Roxbury Public Library in, in, in Boston. Iran Israel on drums, Lee Odom on alto saxophone, Richard Harper, who I just mentioned. He's actually playing baritone horn on this, but he'll be playing uh, trombone on the tour here's fear and look for the group on april 20th at merriman's playhouse the makanda project thank you john for joining us today thank you monica
For listening to Talking Jazz. My guest today was pianist, arranger, composer John Kordaleski from the Makanda Project. Tune in for Talking Jazz every Thursday at 11 a.m. and every Monday at 7 p.m. right here on WETF 105.7 FM in South Bend, Indiana, or online at WETFTheJazzStation.org. Also find videos of previous shows on YouTube on the Monica Hersick channel. That's M-O-N-I-K-A-H-E-R-Z-I-G. Subscribe to get the newest updates. Thank you for listening.